it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. Introducing the Business Beauty Network Virtual Summit, the virtual experience for beauty pros, sponsored by QT Business Solutions. October the 25th through the 27th, we have 10 speakers, two panels, three nights. This is going to be a phenomenal event. On the first night, we're going to learn how to start, grow, and fund our beauty businesses. We also have a beauty boss panel. And on the second night, we're going to learn product development, learn what it takes to start your own beauty brand. And we also have a product development panel. And on the third night, we're going to learn how to attract celebrity clients. We have a total of nine workshops, 10 speakers, two panels, and three nights. This event is going to be phenomenal. We're going to do several raffle prizes and giveaways. We have a VIP swag bags, a few live demonstrations, and so much more. You can get your tickets at bbnvs2020.eventbrite.com. I hope to see you there. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to share today's episode with you. I had the pleasure in interviewing Rianne Silva, the founder and creator of Beauty Blender, and her daughter, Erica Dickerson, who is the global beauty director for Beauty Blender. And we had a great conversation. They both were very down to earth. And it was just great really learning more about um, Rianne's career and how she went about creating the Beauty Blender. It was a great conversation. I think it's an inspirational conversation as well. And you can learn a lot from Rianne and her journey. And also from Erica and what it's been like, you know, having a mom who created this empire and working in it and running it with her. Here's a little bit of Rianne's bio. Rianne Silva's experience spans a 20-year journey as one of the most sought-after Hollywood makeup artists in the industry. As the creative force behind Beauty Blender, she single-handedly changed the beauty game. The Beauty Blender concept came to Rianne while she was the department head of the first TV shows shot in high definition. Rianne handled the constant touch-ups with her hand-cut edgeless sponge that mimicked the seamless look of airbrushing. Soon, every celebrity that sat in Rianne's chair wanted their own hand-cut sponge. Through creating the original edgeless sponge, Beauty Blender quickly became the secret on set that had every pro talking. Today, the category creator holds countless awards and is beloved both by makeup enthusiasts and newbies as the go-to for achieving a perfectly blended complexion. Erica Dickerson's history with Beauty Blender began at conception, literally. As the daughter of the founder and CEO, Erica was the brand's first product assembler back when Beauty Blender began in her mom's garage in Los Angeles. Little did she know that her mom's side project would turn into the most popular makeup tool in the world. Before becoming Beauty Blender's global beauty director, Erica pursued her acting career where she landed a handful of national commercials and major roles shows like Bones on Fox and Insecure on HBO. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview and here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandi Taylor, and we have two awesome guests today, Rianne Silva and Erica Dickerson. Welcome, ladies. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having us. Yeah. I'm super excited to have you. So I like to start the podcast off with like a fun fact. So we'll start with you, Rianne. Tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. Hmm. I don't like horror movies. Really? Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm more of a rom-com type of girl. And um, Erica's dad, one of the first dates he ever took me on was a horror movie date. Well, you know, that that didn't go over so well. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I actually like a good scary movie. Is it that it's scary? Do you not like, you know, all the scariness about it? Or do you get nightmares? Or you just don't enjoy them at all? You know, I don't like to feel 
anxious. And like, I don't like, I really don't like surprises too much. And I, I like good surprises, but I don't really like surprises where I feel like my life is at risk. And whenever I watch the horror movies, the surprises are always like someone jumping out to try to kill you. So that's, I guess that's pretty much why I don't like them. Yeah, I get that. I get that. So that's a good, you know, fun fact. I, every, it's not for everybody. I like horror movies, but I get it. Everybody doesn't like it. And that element of surprise can be kind of scary for you. So I absolutely get that. So that's an interesting fun fact. So Erica, what's your fun fact? Um, huh. Fun fact, I guess. Um, I really, I actually really love horror movies. <laughs> She's like a dad. And I think that's probably because of my dad, because my dad used to put, we used to put movies on for me and then like leave me. Like he'd put them on and just like walk out of the room and just put, like, you know how you, when you're a kid, you like, you, you think your parents are going to put on like, I don't know, like the Rugrats. Disney. But no, he put on, I'll never forget, there was this one specific movie he put on and left me downstairs. It was called The Red Death. Oh my God. <laughs> That's like low-key <laughs> mental abuse. And it was about like, yeah, these, all these people have like leprosy and like their skin oh was falling God. off. Oh And no. I, was, I was probably like seven and I was so scared. I, but every time I went over like I asked to watch it it was I don't know maybe it's the dark Scorpio in me I love I kind of like dark weird things oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that is so weird wow interesting well thanks for sharing <laughs> that is so crazy so awesome so Rianne now you you're you started off as a makeup artist so tell us like how you got into the beauty industry as a makeup artist starting out well, I actually started out as a fashion student. I went to FIDM here in Los Angeles, and I thought I wanted to be in fashion. And so while I was at school, I got a part-time job working at the department store down the street from the school, and I became a perfume model uh, because I didn't, I, I didn't even know like there was anything in a career you know, that, that was called makeup artistry <laughs> at the time. So I took this part-time job and during, it was during that job that I met all the girls on the cosmetic floor. And I realized, God, you know, I, I really would rather be doing makeup and talking to people and using my art as a part-time job than walking around. I mean, if you ever want to experience rejection, be a perfume model because you walk around and try to spray people with perfume and everybody says no. And like, <laughs> They walk away from you like you, you know, like you have some sort of a, you know, a disease or something. So, <laughs> I mean, I realized that the only way for the time to pass and for me to enjoy my work was to do something I liked. So I befriended a couple of these girls on, on the cosmetic floor and I, you know, figured out how to at least get an interview to be considered to work on the cosmetic floor and sell products. And that was really my entry into makeup artistry. Living in Los Angeles, of course, lends itself to the entertainment industry. I, uh, at the time, was socializing with a lot of different people in different areas of entertainment and um, started talking about becoming a makeup artist. And I realized that there might be a possibility for me to actually have work and, and create a career for myself doing so. So I ended up just on that path of figuring out how do I become a makeup artist. I, you know, needed to create artwork. I needed to do photo shoots. I needed to have a portfolio. And so I set out on that quest. I met a lot of different photographers that trusted me to do the makeup on their shoots and eventually created a portfolio. And then at that point, I was able to... Um, talked to a couple producers that music it was like the MTV generation at that time so there were tons of music videos being shot all around Los Angeles and I, as I told you a, a few minutes ago I knew a lot of people that were in different levels of the entertainment industry and I knew a couple people that were working in music video and I again talked my way into a music video and I ended up doing music videos it was uh, it was a glam rock band who they're not even around anymore, but it was, you know, kind of where I got my chops. I kind of learned what it was like to be on a set. And it was my first introduction to production makeup and I loved it. And I became just like a fiend. I wanted to work in production. So it gave me a direction and I ended up 
um, really focusing all of my attention on building my portfolio, building my skill, and meeting the right people that would hopefully, um, you know, consider me on their jobs. Wow. It sounds like you hit the ground running. Like, you know, after working in that department store and realizing that you wanted to get into makeup and, and get into this industry, it seems like you really started to hit the ground running. You started networking, meeting photographers, building your portfolio, and then just really, you know, connecting with the right people. Um, like how was it, I know starting out, you were you, um, self-taught or did you you take any training in how to do makeup well, before you started doing uh, so yeah i mean i you're right yes i hit the ground running because what i like to tell people you know i do a lot of speaking engagements and i talk to a lot of people about being an entrepreneur and how to create a career for yourself so for me it was that moment that kind of oprah aha moment where it was like a light bulb went out went off in my head uh, and I real when I realized that oh my god I could actually enjoy working because you know everybody in my life was like working was a grind and you know working was horrible and enjoy your youth because when you get older you know life sucks and like all you know, these kind of things these messages I was getting as a young person but when I realized that I really was enjoying it that i was good at it and i knew that i could because of the environment that i was in i could exercise you know my relationships and see how far i could get with it i did hit the ground running because you know i had no other choice i didn't have really anything else i wanted to do i went to fidm because i was an artist and i didn't know at the time what an artist career looks like. I mean, artists, you, you know, the term starving artists, you know, what do artists do? Well, you know, they have a lifetime of body of work and they die and then their work becomes valuable and they never see a dime of it during their life. You know, that was my concept of an artist. So <clears throat> when I realized that I could, I could create and be an artist and actually get paid and enjoy what I was doing, I was like, I hit the lottery. I was like, boom, I love this. And I got to be around a lot of really fun people in the entertainment industry. So it wasn't like going to the same, you know, office every day. Some people like really, they like stability and they like routine. I couldn't see myself, you know, going to the same office every day and doing the same thing. So for me, I did hit the ground running. I did love it. And um, I just took it from there. Great. So it sounds like as well, you like adventure. So you hit the ground running, you took it from there. And so let's fast forward. Um, how did you come up with this idea as a makeup artist to create a beauty blender? Well, it, it was like a lot of uh, inventions that are created. They're, they're born out of a necessity or a need. So I was working on, uh, I had, my career had escalated and I had become a union member and a department head and I had done various TV shows and movies at this time. And I had um, gotten the job to work as the department head makeup artist and figure uh, makeup out for high definition. It was the very first TV show that was being shot and broadcast in high def. And so there wasn't a lot of skilled makeup artists around that were in our unions that knew about airbrushing or just about how to make makeups look natural in these new environments because you know pre historically previously uh tv shows were shot with film and film is a very different type of medium to use as opposed to videotape and the makeups look different so because I was a skilled makeup artist in the union that knew how to airbrush, use a compressor and spray makeup on your face with an airbrush, mm -hmm. um, in beauty makeup, uh, I was hired to do the job because somewhere, someone down the line when they were creating high def production, you know, had a little side note saying, oh, by the way, if you find anybody that knows how to airbrush makeup, that's going to be the best way to make the makeups look natural. Otherwise, everybody looks like they're wearing a ton of makeup. So because I knew how to do it, I was called in to try to figure out the best way to make, it was the show Girlfriends, and it was the four girls on Girlfriends. So it was Tracy Ellis Ross, um, 
Persia White, Jill Jones, Jill Marie Jones, and um, Golden Brooks to make them all look natural and beautiful and not like they were wearing a ton of makeup, like making them look real but beautiful. So, um, you know, airbrushing was a really great way to achieve the look we needed, but it was a very impractical way to work on set because whenever you wanted to touch somebody up, you would have to walk them away from the set to a place where there's electricity and you can, you know, use your machine. So that just was a challenge that was not, you know, going to work in this environment. So long story short, I started playing with sponge material and I realized that cutting sponge material without any lines and dampening that material allowed me to be able to touch up the makeup that I had already put on the face and make it look fresh. And so I started using it in that way. Then I started realizing, hey, I don't even need to use an airbrush or I can just put the makeup on with this tool and it looks like airbrush and boom. I mean, that was, that was it. Awesome. Awesome. So you just, it was out of a need on set, you know, trying to create an easier way to get the job done, an easier and more efficient way is what birthed the beauty blender. Now, um, well, not just easier. Let me correct you. I'm sorry. It's not just easier and a better way. It was a new way to put makeup on your face for high def. I mean, it wasn't just for everybody. It was specifically, I made it for other makeup artists that were going to have the same problem because everybody was going to start shooting in high def. I never realized it was going to cross over into the way you're describing it. It's like, oh, easier and better for everybody to just use for makeup. I, I didn't realize anybody outside of a pro would have any interest in this product at all. It was a huge surprise. Yeah, yeah. So what was the process like in getting, you know, the Beauty Blender to what it is today? How long is this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, when you were creating it, I know there had to be some trial and errors. I know there was a lot of things you were tested in order to get it to what it is today as the, you know, the egg-shaped sponge. So, DK, give us a little bit of background of what that looked like for you. Well, I mean, basically, uh, I had to figure out how to manufacture or make edgeless soft foam shapes which if you really think about well not that anybody ever pays attention to foam material listen me being one of them um, if if you look back at the traditional kind of makeup sponge that you will get in a bag of 52 in a drugstore or if you look at the sponges that are inside your powder compacts or ones that will, you know, kind of just be gratuitous in a box of makeup that you might find, you'll see that all of those sponges have one thing in common. They all have straight edges. They have, they're either cut flat and they might have a little bevel rounded edge or they're just cut flat with sharp edges. And that's because um, it's the cheapest way to manufacture them, number one. Number two, it requires an extra effort and um, engineering and tooling and creation of tools that didn't exist to actually make a round shape out of a very soft material. So this was the learning curve. That's why I jokingly say, like, how long do you have? Because that <laughs> whole journey was like a whole separate education on, onto itself. Um, but then once I actually got it made, it was just a matter of, again, like I said a few minutes ago, thinking, okay, great, now I have uh, secured a way to manufacture this product, and now I can sell it to other makeup artist friends that I know are going to have the same challenge. So that was the initial goal. Awesome, awesome. And when did you get it perfected like when was this when was the beauty blender perfected like after you so you 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 created it it was something you were using on set and you started doing research with the different foams and everything when did you know you had the beauty blender well i knew i had the beauty blender before i actually made it i mean the reason why i invested all the time to to go down this journey was because I knew that this product was going to be successful because 
we were hand cutting them in my trailer, you know, like before, you know, our day would start, we would cut sponges into these round shapes eventually. Once I realized that, that we didn't need to use the compressor, the airbrusher anymore, we would spend our time cutting sponges. And, you know, when you're sitting on set, when you are a makeup artist and you do film and television, you know, you're really busy in the morning getting everybody ready, but then you spend a lot of time sitting around, you know, in between takes and doing touch-ups. So you have time. We would sit and just cut, you know, cut sponges for the next day. So, I mean, I realized it before I had the manufacturing down, but then it took me, you know, it was one thing to figure out what I needed to make. Then it was another thing to figure out, like I said before, the engineering. And then it was another thing to figure out who could do it for me. Um, and by the time it was all said and done and I was getting ready to, you know, retail the product, um, it took about three and a half, four years. Okay. Interesting. I just wanted you to share that for some people who may be thinking about like creating their own product lines or creating a product. And I just, you know, really wanted to dive into like, it's not an overnight thing. It took you a few years to really perfect this thing and get it the way you wanted it. It sure did. Yeah. Especially because, you know, Beauty Blender is the creator of this category of tools. So there was nothing like it before it. So I had nothing to reference. It's very different than trying to make a lipstick. There's, you know, a ton of lipsticks out there. And historically, there's been lips lipsticks for many years. So there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of different people that you can go to to make your lipstick. But when you think about creating something completely unique and innovative that nobody's ever um, seen before it's it's a lot more challenging it's not just challenging to make it it's even more challenging to get someone to invest their time in helping you figure it out mm -hmm. yeah i could see that but um as you said earlier um this was something that ended up being a tool for makeup artists and industry professionals and um so at what point did it really hit when did it get as popular as it is today? Like, and when did this, this start to get the popularity it has? Well, it became instantly popular with my peers because they all appreciated the payoff of the product, meaning the application. Um, it sped their their makeup application time up, and you know the saying in Hollywood, "Time is money," came came from I think the makeup trailer because. There every, you know, the directors and everybody on set are always waiting for, for the actors to be ready. So the less time you take, the more time they have to work. So um, it became a very popular tool with makeup artists right away. So that was great incentive for me to, to figure out how to make it. But then, you know, they would share their beauty blenders with their family, their mothers, their sisters, their friends. And that's when it kind of crept into being more of a consumer product. And I would say that um, <clears throat> my very first customer for Beauty Blender uh, was Limited Brands and Victoria's Secret, and that's where we first uh, retailed on a on a, a purely consumer market. Before that, we sold in different uh, makeup art, makeup stores that uh, you know provide makeup tools and makeup to film sets. So, I would say that was the very first time. It was Limited Brands and Victoria's Secret. And then right after that, Victoria's Secret decided to take all their brands that weren't Victoria's Secret off the floor. And so we had very, uh, very short-lived success, but it was, it was enough success to pique the interest of other retailers. So then we kind of started from there. Great. And so how long was it like more of an industry tool till it became a consumer tool? Or like an everyone tool. Not like now, it started off, I know, because I remember when Beauty Blender, you could get it at like Camera Ready Cosmetics. And it was something that makeup artists knew about the industry tool. And then all of a sudden, it blew up. And like, it was a household tool. Like everyone had to have a Beauty Blender that did their makeup. So it, it seemed like overnight, but it was a, it was a slow roll. Um, the strategy I used for distribution originally worked for the size of my business. What I mean by that was um, once I realized that the everyday makeup user, man or woman, whoever wanted to apply makeup um, was interested in the product, I wanted to get it out to, um, to, to retail stores. Only, you know, it's, it's like... 
it's a catch-22. The big retail stores like the Sephora's and the Ulta's, they only want you if, you if they know about you and they realize that you have an audience that's going to come buy the product. When you're a small professional tool like mine, I had to go another route. I had to go the more like smaller boutique retailers. So I, uh, I researched and found a couple sales reps that dealt with higher end uh, retail beauty boutiques. And I started selling slowly out to those stores. And as those stores grew for me in numbers, meaning I went from like one store to like maybe a hundred or a couple hundred of those stores across the country, that's when I started getting um, kind of like some little attention pinches from like a Sephora. And then as soon as they asked me in, um, that's pretty much when, when everything just changed. Great, great. And what, what has it been like? Like, so you started off as a makeup artist who, you know, had this invention and I know you worked on it for years and you were, uh, like you said, dealing with smaller boutique shops and different things like that and getting into the hands of industry professionals. Now you're in Sephora, like, you know, what is this like for you? Like this, this growth and you, when did you realize like, wow, like I've really built something that is, you know, phenomenal and it's going to be known all over the world. Like, when did you, when did you have that moment? I don't know that I still even fully realize it because, um, you know, Brandy, nothing is promised in this life. And I am oh so aware of as quickly as you can rise, you can fall. So I, I would say that I appreciate the success that I, I have. You know, Beauty Blender is a widely distributed product, but it's also a widely knocked off product. It's also, you know, I mean, so my job is never done. I never sit back and just go like, I'm so great. I did this. This is amazing. No, um, I'm constantly having to manage the business. I'm constantly having to make sure that we hold our stake in, as being, you know, a category creator. I'm constantly trying to find ways to remain relevant and continue to grow. And, you know, I'm constantly trying to forecast and plan for the future. And what does that look like? How do I remain innovative? So, I mean, it's like, I wish, you know, and, and, and this is a question I get asked a lot, but the truth of the matter is, I don't know that I've really actually ever had that moment where I just sit back and go like, oh, I never have to worry about anything again. This is great because that's just not reality. Yeah, yeah. But you could definitely celebrate, right? <laughs> you know, because I have- mean, there's small, so there's, uh, listen, there are definitely small celebrations along the way. You know, you celebrate, you know, when you have a successful launch, but then you have to work the launch and make sure the launch remains successful. Um, I celebrate when, you know, we win an award. I just won my 11th and 12th Best of Beauty Award for Allure Magazine. And, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for it. I'm so amazed for, for it, you know, but those, those, there, there are moments, there are a lot of moments, there are a lot of moments, but I don't know that um, any entrepreneur will tell you that they can just at some point just be like, Oh, I've made it. This is great. You know, (laughs) I don't know that you ever feel that way. At least I don't, I need to find (laughs) some people that do. I get it. I get it. So Erica, you, you basically grown up in this um, business with your mom, being a makeup artist, being an inventor, a beauty blender. What has this ride been like for you? Um, I guess for me, I mean, I, I, I saw my mom, like my mom created, started creating beauty blender when I was probably in middle school. And um, I, and I, at that point I wasn't maybe right before middle school, I wasn't really that into makeup at the time. So you know, I'd see, I saw the product. I didn't really understand what it was for. Once I started using makeup, I still was kind of like, ah, I don't need this. I got my hands. And I know that sounds silly because, you know, my mom's the founder of Beauty Blender. You would think that I just would be sold on it. But actually, you know, as most daughters are, they're rebellious and they're like, whatever, mom. (laughs) Um, And so it wasn't until probably I was in high school that I really started getting into makeup. And my mom was like, just use my sponge. And I used it. And I was like, oh, mom does know best. And so, um, 
you know, uh, I've been in the entertainment industry most of my life as a, an actor and I modeled when I was a kid. And so I went off to college and she continued to grow her brand. Um, and then coming back from college, uh, I came back around the time that YouTube was really starting to pick up and there was a lot of makeup tutorials. Um, and, and I guess the age of the makeup influencer was just kind of emerging and, uh, Really, that's a lot how a lot of our growth happened too organically is that a lot of these influencers were using our product. Um, and I saw an opportunity for us to really, you know, start to grow our social presence along with um, someone else whose name's Danny Rodriguez. And he, me and him together um, really helped grow our social presence um, on YouTube and on Instagram. And so that's kind of how I started to work within the company. Prior to that, though, I was a free model. I was actually the first beauty blender model. My mom uh, needed a model because I think actually we were going into Sephora or we were actually, no, we were doing the inserts for, for beauty blender. Um, and she needed a model. And so she asked me to do it. And so I, I kind of by default became the face of the brand. <laughs> um, and so that was kind of an easy way for me to segue into social. I, I, I did a lot of tutorials early on, on our social, on Instagram and YouTube. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think it's just part of my DNA. I, I've, I've watched my mom, you know, become, be a makeup artist and now be a CEO. And um, it's been a really cool transition to see. And that's kind of where I'm at now. So with Beauty Blender now, I, I, I'm, I go around and do a lot of global education on their brand um, for consumers as well as in retail and Sephora and doing master classes. And I'm also uh, the on-air, our on-air um, guest on Home Shopping Network. So I sell all of our products on Home Shopping Network and I work with my mom in product development. So I've been really blessed and fortunate to be able to kind of bounce around um, within the beauty blender sphere and kind of get my feet wet um and yeah and help and help my mom with whatever she needs needs me to help 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 her with well that's great now what has been your biggest challenge working with your mom if any um you know I don't know like I really enjoy working with my mom we don't really you know we don't we don't have like I know some people, you know, they work with their, their parents or they work with their family and they, they encounter a lot of like hiccups along the way. I think obviously in any mother daughter relationship, we have our moments, but we don't usually bring that to work. It's, it's, it's separate. So, and I mean, we have a really great relationship. So there is, I mean, of course, you know, there's still that mommy knows best and I'm the daughter. I, I'm a rebel by nature. <laughs> And so sometimes it'll take me a while to, to learn my lessons in business and in mother, daughterhood and motherhood. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, unfortunately, we've, we have a really, we've had a really great working relationship. That's awesome. So what would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned from your mom? Um, there's been a lot of lessons. I mean, oh, one of the biggest ones is is that when you, if you have an idea and you have a dream that you have to work at it every single day, you have to kind of be relentless. And I've seen my mom be relentless and never taking no for an answer and asking all the questions and showing up for every single meeting. Um, and, you know, and also I think all what I've also learned from her is her, she has a, a really, she has a gift at knowing how to hire people to do their jobs and allowing them to do their jobs. You know, I think for like, for me, I'm a control freak <laughs> and to see my mom relinquish some of, some of that control and allow people to do the jobs that she's hired them to do and not get in the way. Um, I think is a gift that it, a lot of CEOs well, get in the way when I mean, no, to. I know, but you know what I mean? Like some people want to be involved in every little thing and, and like, they don't always know what they're, they don't always know what they're talking about because that's not their strong suit. And you've hired people to do their job. Their job. So I think allowing people to do their job and watching her allow them to do it is something that I've learned is really, really important when, in, when creating a good, like a really positive culture in your workplace, 
so people feel like supported and feel validated and in in their position and empowered great and so and you stated like you know she knows how to delegate well and she allows people to do their job so um what was it like you know bringing other people into the company and really growing the company was that like a hard process for you Rianne or was that something that you started with automatically you had a few people working with you automatically or did you hire people slowly like how did you start to build your team well I did I did build my team slowly. I think, again, you know, all roads lead back to my professional career as a makeup artist. And once you learn to be a department head, you learn to delegate. You have to delegate. You have to rely on your team members. You have to understand that you can't do everything and you can't always be the best at every part of what's required in that job. So I kind of had that mindset when I went into the business. So I mean, listen, I was a makeup artist. I wasn't a, you know, a business grad from the Wharton School of Business. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I needed to hire people that did. So I would find, I found this one woman who still works with us. And um, she was kind of like my mentor. She was the person that had experience, that knew how to help me figure out how to grow the business. So um, it was a slow grow um, because we were, uh, you know, a unique product. It wasn't like a lipstick where everything, everybody knew what we were. I mean, we, it took a long time and many, many words and conversations to make people understand what Beauty Blender was. So in many, many ways, the slow growth was really like the best education for me because it allowed me to really lay down a solid foundation in the business and become comfortable with um, just, you know, running a business and being a part of a business. And that's very different than what I was doing as a makeup artist. So um, that is how I did it. And being, uh, being a slow growth business did have its advantages for someone like me. It also created more brand recognition for Beauty Blender because as we grew small, uh, slower, um, it was more digestible for the public to understand what Beauty Blender was because at first, if you'd mentioned Beauty Blender, people would be like, we don't know what that is. What is that? And then, you know, a couple of years later, people were like, oh, I know what that is. Oh, Beauty Blender, that's that pink sponge. So, you know, it, it helped, it, it allowed me to catch up with the growth of the business. If it was a business that had, you know, growth like uh, over you know 200 300 percent the first year and I had to like scale up with the business I would have been lost so the slow growth worked for me in that regard okay and what what has been your biggest lesson you've learned as an entrepreneur uh, the biggest thing I've learned is that you have to have a thick skin and that you need to always, always understand your spreadsheets and you always have to sign your checks. And uh, what advice would you give someone that's looking to make their own invention, whatever it may be? Well, what advice? I mean, um, I would say that, like my daughter said earlier when she was talking, you have to live and breathe your product. Even, you know, there's going to be days you feel discouraged. There's going to be days you feel frustrated. There's going to be daily, days you feel like you ran the race and won. Um, but through all of those different emotions that you go through, you have to have a, con a conscious thread of daily input and consistency. So, you know, what that means to me would be like, even if it's a day where you just can't figure out what the next thing is to do, you just, you write a list and you start making plans for, um, you know, just moving an inch forward. And then pretty soon you move five inches forward and then something breaks and you can move feet forward. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. there's days you feel like you're not making progress, but as long as you just stay focused, if you can find one little iota of something that moves you forward, do it because that's going to lend itself to the next move and the next move and the next move. You know, when you're discouraged, that's the time where <clears throat> you really have to pull out all of your strength and, and use your like superhero focus and, <laughs> and say, okay, 
I'm discouraged today, but what can I do that's going to help me make progress for tomorrow? Because you, you just can't quit, you know? If you've quit, and if you ever consider quitting in the middle of your dreams, it's like swimming in the middle of the ocean. You've, you've gone from the shore to the middle of the ocean. Now you're just going to drown. You've got to get to the other side. You've got to keep swimming. I love it. I love it. you got to keep swimming. I love that. Yeah. So Beauty Builder has, has expanded beyond the traditional pink sponge. You have a multiple colors now, and you also have other products. So let's talk about the other products that you've added to the line. And was that a scary thing for you? You know, you've been known for this sponge. Was it scary to now add Bounce Foundation or and all the other things that you have? Like, was this really, you know, scary? And what made you decide to go this route? Yeah, no, it wasn't scary for me because my background is in makeup. So it was exciting for me. It wasn't scary for me. And I still own my business 100% too. So if like, say I had an investor that was, you know, going to be cautious or different people that were going to be negative or pessimistic about the idea, you know, if they had been a part of my thought process or a part of my process in general, maybe I would have felt different, but, you know, call me, you know, call me like a Labrador. I was just kind of goofy and happy and just moving forward. It was like, for me as a makeup artist, it was the ultimate thing for me, my ultimate next move. I mean, listen, uh, nobody is more grateful and thankful and happy about the journey that Beauty Blender took me on. But, you know, in a 20 plus year career as a professional makeup artist, I never thought that a sponge was going to be the thing that you know, brought me notoriety or satisfaction or any kind of wealth or anything like a sponge, like, no, it's going to be makeup. <laughs> so for me, it was super exciting to go into the color category because I'm an expert. I'm not an influencer that does my own makeup in the bathroom. I, nothing against them, but like I've built a career on having to work on every kind of person. So I know every kind of skin tone, every kind of shade, every kind of texture, every kind of skin challenge. Like I've had to overcome all of those things with cosmetics my whole career. So for me, it was like, oh my God, I get to really make something that I think is, you know, high quality and beautiful and that I think will work for everybody. So I, it was, it was fun. It was great. Awesome. So let's talk, let's talk about the uh, foundation a little bit. And um, now you have concealer. So and uh -huh. several other products. So like, how is things going with these products? Is it what you expected? Are you planning to add more products? <laughs> well, there's a saying you make plans and God laughs. So as long as you understand that's a real thing. Uh, just go about your business and make your products because nothing ever is as you expect it to be. Um, my launch into foundation was amazing. The launch, I sold out of 22 shades out of uh, 32 right away. I immediately got criticized by all the internet trolls for not having 40 shades, but I did have 40 shades. So I released my 40 shades. They were successful. They were great. And then, um, you know, COVID took place. <laughs> Nobody's wearing makeup. So, you know, we pivot and we're very, very fortunate at Beauty Blender because we do more than sell makeup. We sell great products. We sell great soap. Our, our you know, uh, ironically in this COVID world of, you know, virus, our soap is a soap that kills 99.7% of bacteria and cleans your hands, your sponge, your tools. So we've been able to really kind of highlight those kind of special characteristics about some of our products during this time. And um, we launched our amazing concealers right before COVID and they're doing great. I mean, we all wear masks now, so our eyes are the focus of our face and um, our concealers have been doing really great because there's still a piece of our color cosmetics that we still use. And, you know, I don't think it's any secret to anybody listening. We've all been in quarantine and we're all changing our routines. People aren't wearing makeup as much as they were before. They're focusing on their skincare. They're focusing on their hair. They're focusing on their body care and their wellness. So I feel very fortunate that I do have a collection of products that are still relevant in these times, but we're in a weird time right now, right? I mean, we're in a pandemic. This is like the craziest time in American history. And so, you know, we're just rolling with it <laughs> and we feel fortunate um, 
like I said, to have these products, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been great. It's been a challenge. It's been exhilarating. It's been frustrating. It's been a plethora of emotions, but at the end of the day, it's all good. It's all good stuff. It is. It is. And it'll, you'll bounce back for sure. <laughs> I thought you would. Well, thank you. <laughs> not, not to mention that's the name of my favorite products. My, my, all of my cosmetic uh, color category products are under the, um, the franchise of Bounce. We call all of it Bounce. And why do we call it Bounce? Because you use a beauty blender to bounce it on your face. So... Yes, and we will bounce back. Yeah, <laughs> we'll. Well, I don't say bounce back. We will continue to bounce because we didn't like. We're doing great. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, overall, I know some things may, you know, have shifted, and you had to pivot. But yeah, I, I just wanted to say that because I know, you know, bounce is your category. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. So I want to ask you the final few questions that I like to ask people to come on a podcast. And so uh, my first one, Rianne, is how do you define success? Uh, I define success by a few, there's, there's a few metrics there. Um, you need to be able to sleep well at night. You need to be able to live your life uh, in comfort, meaning like my bills are paid because, you know, I was, I was a single parent. I was a freelance makeup artist. I lived for many, many years from paycheck to paycheck, you know, stretching, bouncing, uh, you know, uh, paying Peter over here and paying Paul over there another day. Um, so, you know, having some sort of, you know, stability, um, I, I think for me, my family is a huge part of my happiness. So it's the, the definition of success is to, to know that my family is taken care of and they are thriving and living a positive life. And um, I'm able to contribute to that happening for them. Those, those are the things that make me happy. Great. No wrong answer there. And what's either your favorite affirmation or motivational quote? Hmm. I have a few of those. So my dad always used to give me this, this same advice. Um, and he's not, no longer with us, but I, I remember this. He would always say, Rianne, don't ever make a decision if you're confused. People will try to force you into making a choice. Don't do it. Wait till you are, you know sure about your answer. So I kind of have passed that on to my kids. Um, I also have a firm belief that rejection is, is uh, God's protection. So when things don't work out the way you want them to work out, they usually don't work out for a reason you're not aware of yet, but you will know eventually why. And one day you'll go like, oh my God, thank God that didn't work out. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't always know. We don't always know why things work out. We don't always know why they don't work out. But eventually, it's always it's all revealed. Um, what is another thing? I mean, those those are like my two biggest ones. You know, I I I think I try to stay humble and just. I mean, I don't try to stay humble. I I think I am pretty humble. I just I don't know. Just live your life. No wrong answer there. So what's your top beauty tip or trick? Ooh. Um, pretty is as pretty does. I mean, we can, you know, we can put lipstick on a pig, girls, but you got to live, you got to live right. So, you know, make sure your, your beauty on the inside, you know, is reflected outside. But really you have to have the beauty on the inside to reflect the beauty on the outside. So I, you know, try to live your life being beautiful on the inside and beautiful on the outside. If you're beautiful on the inside, people aren't going to notice that you have a pimple in the middle of your forehead. I love it. I love it. Erica, you're the global beauty director. So tell us how we can all reach you and find beauty blender and how can we oh, connect? Okay, well, 
Well, you can you can find my mom at Rianne Silva. That's R E A A N N Silva on Instagram. And then you can find Beauty Blender obviously at Beauty Blender. And you can follow us on Instagram, YouTube. Um, make sure you check out our website. Uh, and then you can find me at Watch Erica on Instagram. And tell them about your podcast too. Oh, Erica I, also has she has she has a passion project. <laughs> yeah, Erica, tell us about your podcast. Uh, I have a podcast. Uh, it's about single motherhood. I'm a single mom to Irie, which you'll see. If you follow my Instagram, you'll see her all over my page. Um, and it's called Good Moms, Bad Choices. And, you know, we just talk about motherhood and, you know, just trying to do our best. And obviously right now it's a really weird time with everything that's happening. So if you're a mom, if, if you're not a mom and you need a community to feel supported, come over to Good Moms. We got you. Awesome. Awesome. I will definitely leave that in the show notes for sure. So make sure you send me the link to your podcast so that everyone can check it out. And before we go, Rianne and Erica, do you have anything else you want to share with the audience? Well, I mean, I would say that everybody needs to go out and vote. Please go out and vote. It's coming up really quickly on us. Don't be afraid of the polls. Don't be afraid of the news. Don't be afraid of the mail. Get your vote out there. It counts. And um, thanks for having me. I would say hydrate, blend, <laughs> blend your makeup, and mind your business. <laughs> I love it, Erica. Hydrate, blend your makeup, and mind your business. That's a tweetable right there. <laughs> well thanks thanks it's been a pleasure having you ladies Rhea Silver everybody and Erica Dickerson uh, make sure you reach out and connect with them make sure you get your beauty blender if you don't already have it as always stay great and we are out bye bye thanks for tuning in to the Business Beauty Network podcast please subscribe and support our podcast please share it share it with your friends and family. Also connect with us. We want to hear from you. Leave us comments. Let us know what you're enjoying about the podcast. Also email us at bbnetworkpodcast at gmail.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor and at Exquisite Looks. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at Exquisite Looks. And you can check out my website at exquisitelooks.com. I really hope to hear from you and connect with you soon. Remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.